Welcome to Life on the Other Side, stories from prisoners, their families, and those helping them find justice and redemption with Alec Klein. This podcast is sponsored by Republic Book Publishers, which brings you books tackling the important issues of the day and the upcoming book, Aftermath, When It Felt Like Life Was Over by Alec Klein. For more information, please check out republicbookpublishers.com. In this episode, we hear from Megan Parker, whose mom was falsely accused of medical child abuse before she was set free and reunited with her family in Oregon. Thanks for joining us, Megan. I appreciate it. We spoke with uh, your mom about this, and we are looking forward to speaking with you about what happened. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Tell us about your life before it was upended by the troubles that your mom ran into. What was life like? Uh, for you and your family before that happened? People like to look at their past through rose-tinted glasses, and I try not to do that. So honestly, life was hard. Um, It wasn't all sunshine and roses. We had our difficulties. I mean, we've been told by doctors that my youngest brother, Joshua, was dying, so we were dealing with that. But for the most part, strange as it might sound, my family was happy. I mean, we functioned well. We were a good unit. We all communicated. We all kind of knew where our lives were going, and we were mostly happy with that. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just we had a really good connection, and it, we don't really have that much anymore. Well, I appreciate your honesty, Megan. Uh, when you talk about your family, this is a pretty big family, right? I mean, you have how many siblings and uh, my understanding is you all live together. Is that right? Yeah, we all live together. Um, I have seven siblings. I have um, my sister-in-law, and I have my niece, and of course, I have my parents. It's um, a big family, right? And mm-hmm. you were all together before this happened, before the troubles that your mom ran into. And uh, at the time, what, where where were you with your life uh, when when your mom went uh, uh, to trouble with the law? Um, I was still living at home, but I was um, planning on going to college, and I was actually at places in um, Medford to move to because I had gotten a job offer there, um, but obviously plans changed. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us about that. Now, I, I was wondering if you could take us back to the day when your mom was arrested and you, I believe, were at home, if I'm not mistaken, when this happened. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I was home. Um, we had, honestly, I don't remember much of the beginning of that day. I know that we had been out doing errands and we'd come home with pizza and we were, we were all eating. We, you know, we, we were just having, we were just having a family night in and, um, we were eating pizza and suddenly there was this knock at the door and I went and answered it and saw um, police there, which was, I don't even know how to describe that. It's like, it's like your stomach just drops and yet rises into your throat at the same time. It's a very disconcerting feeling. Um, and I remember that I just kind of started to shake right there and then and got like really cold. And I looked over at my, I looked, I looked into the living room and said, uh, mom, the police are here and 
all the color drained out of her face, and um, we all were just kind of in shock immediately because we knew this wasn't a good thing. And uh, they told my mom that they had a warrant for her arrest, and then they just started cuffing her. Um, we, I remember that I called my dad, and I had him on the phone, and I was trying to, to get the police to tell me why they were taking her or where they were taking her. I mean, we didn't have any clue as to the procedure or anything that was going on, and that was really stressful. And then... I mean, um, they they told us that we could call later or or something like that. Basically, they weren't going to give us any information now. We'd have to figure it out later, and they were very abrupt and very cold. And I understand that it's their job, and, and they were, you know, prepared for, like, someone to fight back or anything else like that. I mean, I understand they were doing their job, but still, they could at least explain what was going on. I mean, you have all these kids around, and... You have my brother David who's suddenly like out in the yard and stuff and kind of stalking around the edges because he's autistic and he doesn't know what's going on and all the other kids are stressed and I and my mom is like trying not to fall apart and they won't let her or the kids hug each other or anything else like that and my mom looked at me at one point and I could I could see the terror in her eyes. I mean, why wouldn't there be? And I looked at her and I said, Mom, it's going to be okay. And at that moment, I very firmly believed that, but I was petrified as well. And I was think I was trying to comfort her as well as myself. I so, yeah, they left. But they, they left and they took my mom. And um, I think I was still on the phone with my dad and he was... You know, he was he was coming home because, uh, yeah, duh, he was coming home. And um, we just, I remember going back into the kitchen and just sitting in a chair. And I remember for some reason I, I finished my pizza. I don't remember tasting it, but I finished my pizza. And I tried to answer my siblings' questions and I just waited until my dad got home, and then I think I fell apart crying. Megan, so, how old were you yeah. at the time when this happened? 2013, was it? Yes, I was 23. And so as you said you fell apart, like what was going through your mind about what to do or what to think at this point? Well, I had always been raised to my, – my parents had always raised me to believe that – you didn't have to fear the police. You didn't. You didn't have to fear law enforcement if you hadn't done anything wrong. I mean, because you know, logically, in in the United States, you're innocent until proven guilty. And if you don't do anything wrong, then why are you going to be arrested? Or if they think that maybe you did something wrong, well, you tell the truth. The truth comes out, and you're off the hook, right? Because you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, that was blown out the window. Um. <sighs> Can you repeat the question? <laughs> Sorry. Well, no, no, they, I think that's a great answer. I mean, so you, you, you began to understand that there was something wrong in what was happening. And how did you deal with that? You know, you're, suddenly your mom was gone. You know, you've got uh, a number of siblings with you. You're am among the oldest, I think the second oldest. If I'm no, I'm the, I'm the first oldest. Are Adam's you the oldest? Second okay. oldest. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, Adam's the second. Okay, for some reason I thought he was. Yeah. Good. So you're just because old- he's taller, everyone thinks he's older because he's taller. <laughs> but Megan, you're 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 a natural leader, and you're uh, the oldest child in the family, and your dad had a job. And I mean, how did you keep all this together uh, in the months well, that followed? Well, um, well, I, with regards to the kids, uh, DHS actually came and took them the next day. So we had um, my dad and I had. We went from a family of 12 to two people in our house, which was an incredible shock. Um, the two being you and... And my dad, yeah. And everyone else was put into uh, foster the, Yeah, the kids went to four different um, four different foster parents. Well, I don't call them parents. They went to four different um, foster homes. And um, my brother and his wife and their daughter were in the Philippines, and my mom was in Multnomah County in jail. So our family was pretty much scattered to the wind. Um, How did we keep it together? Honestly, to this day, I still don't entirely know how that was possible, except for the grace of God. (laughs) Tell me about that. How did did God get you through it? Well... He talked to us, well, you know, we we prayed, he talked to us, um, you know, we read the Bible, got verses, um, we would, my, my mom and I, we would both read the Bible, and then, like, a couple of days later, we'd compare what we'd, you know, been, what, we, what we'd been reading, and figure out we were reading the exact same stuff. I mean, wow. it was, it, God was definitely there, he gave us strength, he gave us courage. He gave us comfort when we needed it. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. I mean, when, when you're in it and going through it, it makes complete sense and it still does. It's just hard to... Sometimes it's hard for me, especially, to go back to those moments because, honestly, I kind of try to repress them, which I know is not healthy, but it's my mechanism of coping at this point. Well, Megan, I mean, this was a traumatic experience for the whole family, not just for your mom who was yeah. arrested and jailed. I mean, this sounds like it was traumatic for all of you in different ways. I mean, yeah. how, how did I mean how how was it uh, experienced by you know all of you in different ways? I mean, were you able to communicate with your siblings who were in the foster homes? Yeah, um, we got to visit with them um, once a week, and occasionally the. They'd let us talk to them on the phone, but that wasn't often because, I don't know, apparently we were going to influence them or something. Heaven forbid they know the truth. Um, I don't, it was, yeah, we, we got to communicate with them, but it was hard. I mean, you would hear about the things that were going on in foster care and the things that they were being told. I mean, the lie, the outright lies they were being told. and About? Like about my mom, about how she was guilty and about how they were never going to see her again and and about how like she made up the fact that my brother was autistic and 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 that you know um that my mom and I used to abuse them i mean it's 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 things like that where they're young enough that they know it's not true, but they're being told so often that it is that suddenly they're like, "Wait." Was something wrong? Did something actually happen? It's like no, nothing happened. But um, it's just, you have kids with all different age groups, and you have kids with special needs, and then you have 
three kids who are in one foster home, one kid is in another, one kid is in another, and one kid is in another. It's, they, they purposely separated the older kids from the younger kids so that they couldn't talk, so that they, they couldn't, it's, it was just very messed up. Um, and we, we did get to speak to them and everything, but eventually even, even that was restricted because it was, you know, the, the people, the DHS didn't want them talking about what was going on in the foster homes. They didn't want us to be reassuring them that, you know, things were all right or that their mom was innocent or giving them updates about their mom. It's, it's, everything was very restricted to fit their narrative and make well, sure that they yeah that they could influence things how they wanted to while your siblings were in foster home how did this all affect you Megan um well i mean i i have i've grown up really fast anyway simply because of you know the life we lived and the special needs of my other siblings and um Joshua with his surgeries and stuff. I mean, I I grew up fast anyway, but this was a very different kind of acceleration. Um, it was hard. I I stopped trusting people. I still don't trust people. I, I distanced myself from everyone because either no one understood or they were very two-faced or they abandoned our family entirely. I just, I learned that people suck. <laughs> and I kind of still hold that opinion. <laughs> I mean, no offense to you, <laughs> but but I just I grew up really fast, and and I learned lessons that would never have occurred to me before. Like like it doesn't matter what the truth is; people are going to believe what they want to believe, and the better the story is, the more they believe it. Yeah, it was well, make- it was very difficult. Megan, so how long did it take before finally you were you knew you were going to be reunited with your mom that she was coming home that she was being released uh from under court supervision and that uh you were getting your mom back how, how long did it take before all that happened um about eighteen years and that's hundred and ninety three days <laughs> but who's counting? Yeah, who's counting? <laughs> and Megan, um, what was your what was your reaction when you when you found out that your mom was going to be coming home and that finally you'd well, be back with your um, mom? My well, first, uh, my mom called the house and I think she was trying to get a hold of my dad first, but I answered the phone. She didn't say who she was, but I recognized her voice, and it was the first time I had heard her voice since she had gotten out on bail, and. I think that was 18 months. It was the first time I'd heard her voice in 18 months. And I answered the phone and I heard, I heard her, I don't even remember what she said, but I heard her voice and I went, Mom? And she didn't answer and suddenly there was another voice on the line, which I'm assuming was one of her attorneys. <laughs> and and they asked for my dad. And, at, and, of course, I didn't go anywhere. I'm like hovering right there going, what's going on? Because I heard my mom's voice. <laughs> And um, suddenly my my dad uh, tells me that um, my mom wants to talk to me. And so he gives me the phone and she tells me that she's coming home. And and I at that moment, I didn't care how. I didn't care why. 
all I knew was my mom was coming home and that was all that mattered. <laughs> and then the next and and then the next bit is just kind of all chaos because the kids found out she was coming home and then there was a bunch of noise, but it was all happy. <laughs> it was I don't know, it was like this huge weight came off your chest and you feel shaky and, and like lightheaded and you feel like you could float and it's just that moment of, oh my gosh, is this actually real? And then you just want it to be happening now. <laughs> wow. It was a really it was a really good feeling. <laughs> that sounds overwhelming. It was. <laughs> I mean, one thing to point out here is that uh, after your mom was uh, released from jail, she was still separated from your family for many, many months uh, under court supervision, but you were not allowed to yeah. have any contact with her. So so that must have been uh, really remarkable when you finally got to see her after all of this time. Well, do you remember that moment when you when you when the door opened and there was your mom and yeah. you embraced her? Yeah, um yeah. I actually was the first one who got to hug her and um I I went outside and for anyone who's been separated from a family member for a really long time, I I'm sure they can understand the the feeling of being able to touch that person again. It is an overwhelming, indescribable feeling of just we just hugged each other and we just held each other and we cried and it was happy tears and it was sad tears and it was just I have so much to tell you <laughs> tears and and it was I don't know what to say and it you just have so many jumbled conflicting emotions that you don't even know where to start so you just hold the person and you don't move <laughs> <laughs> So, Megan, it's been now uh, several years uh, since your mom's come home, right? Tell us mm -hmm. about what life has been like for, for you and your family since that time. Um, honestly, it's been hard. Um, we Two years is a really long time to, to ha not have your mom with you. And everyone, all of my siblings and I, we, we grew up in those two years. And we grew up a lot. And there's time that you just you don't get back and there's stories that that even now we tell and we're like wait a minute wait a minute you don't know that we did that or or we didn't know that you did that because two years is a long time um the kids are all they're all changed um and not all for the better i mean they don't like people either <laughs> <laughs> they don't they don't trust people um we have absolutely no faith in our justice system or our government. Um, we're very wary about what we say and what we do around other people. Um, the, David especially still struggles with with knowing what actually happened because everything's all kind of jumbled up in his head. Um, it's... I don't know. It's just, it's very hard. People think that you, that, oh, you know, everything's over. You should just go back to normal. And that's not what happens. I mean, we all have different levels of trauma from then. I know that people think trauma and they think, oh my gosh, you're exaggerating, but it's not. It's, it's, you go through this very prolonged ordeal and it's traumatizing. And sometimes you change in ways that you don't even realize you've changed until you try to do something that you used to do and you have a whole different perspective about it and what do you mean by that as, as it relates to you i'm i'm very jaded 
I'm very dis- distrusting um, is probably the the biggest ones. I'm very angry. I mean, I am I'm really fake with people. I used to think that I could actually just tell people things and take them at face value, and now I don't. I I have an entirely different persona around other people, and it's a completely different one from my family. And I know that everyone has their different personas, but it's it's very extreme with me I guess it's just I don't I I don't people don't get to see the real me I'm very very shallow and superficial with people because I don't trust that they're not going to backstab at any point because it's convenient for them because that's what I learned that people do what about your faith um my faith is my faith is still very solid I mean I know that I know that God's real and I know that he takes care of I know he takes care of his own and I know that nothing comes to us before until before it's passed through his hands. It's like if this happened for a reason. I still don't know what the reason is. But the, the question right out of my mouth, what is the reason? Yeah, it's like no, I don't ask I don't have any idea what the reason is. But I know yeah. there's a reason. I I know that but that God was trying to grow us through this, and I think He's still trying to grow us through this. And some of us have dug in our heels. Hi, <laughs> some of us have not. My mom. <laughs> some of us are kind of in between. I mean, it's it's. Everyone says you know it's over and and oh this happened, but it's over. And it's like no, it's not. It's it's not over. It's different, and and it's not. It's not as extreme and it's not as severe, but it's not over. How is it not over for you? It's hard to not be, it's hard for things to not be over when you don't see anyone who did any wrong getting, getting um, in trouble for it. It's like your life was torn apart. Your reputation was torn apart. You were lied about. You were separated from your family. All these things happened because of people in power because of corrupt people in power and none of them have any consequences. They go about their life, their I mean, obviously I don't know their their life in detail, but it seems like absolutely nothing happened to them. They just went on their merry way. Oh, we shredded your life into pieces, but eh, it's fine. You know, you'll get over it and, and, and they just go about doing their thing. No one gets in trouble. They go on destroying other people's lives. It's it's just there's no justice. And it's very, very hard to go through life and and to and it's just very hard to to not see justice of any kind. It's like people can lie and they can steal your very family away from you and they can they can destroy your mom's reputation and they can alter the way you think about the world and people forever and there's no consequences for it. That's very hard. Uh, are, and what are you doing these days? Um, I am actually uh, on my last term of college. I'm going to be graduating with my associates this year, and um, and um, I'm planning on transferring to a four-year college after that. I want to be I want to do animal science, um, animal behavior specifically. Um, I I got another puppy, <laughs> um, but What's I also the name lost. Of the puppy? Uh, Echo. Her name's Echo. She's about a year and two months now. Um, I also I also lost an, an, another dog. I lost Loki to bone cancer, so oh, that was sorry. hard. Um, yeah, thanks. <laughs> and so um, you know, you're 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 living at home. You're almost done mm-hmm. with your uh, associate degree. You've got a path. Uh, 
uh, for mm-hmm. your career that you're thinking about and uh you know how how do you how about your family as a whole like where where are you as a family together now um we're mending uh we're, we're still mending um honestly we we've gotten back into the groove of of being a family uh it's it's a much different groove than what we started out with but you know, we're still a family. We still act like a family. We're we're still together. It's um Yeah, it's just, you know, what we went through changed us, but we're we are still a family and we all still have each other's backs and they tried to tear us apart and they tried to make us turn on each other and we didn't. And that yeah. stands true even today. So well, That that in itself, I guess, is remarkable, Megan. Your family is 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 together and as one and uh and frankly from what you're saying it sounds like you've been able to move forward which is uh wonderful um i want to thank you for sharing your story megan it's uh it's really moving and i appreciate your candor and and your honesty about the good and bad uh but uh thank thank you (laughs) anyway please stay tuned for our next podcast uh, coming soon thanks again This podcast is sponsored by Republic Book Publishers, which brings you books tackling the important issues of the day and the upcoming book, Aftermath, When It Felt Like Life Was Over by Alec Klein. For more information, please check out republicbookpublishers.com. Thank you for joining us today. Please stay tuned for our next podcast involving stories from prisoners, their families, and those helping them find justice and redemption. And please subscribe to the Life on the Other Side podcast on iTunes.